Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 5 through 9. So then, does the Almighty supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed Yahweh and it was credited to him for righteousness. Then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Verses 8 through 9 next, what we're going to center in on today. Now the scripture saw in advance that the Almighty would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Now Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. In the last lesson, we covered how Abraham's faith in the promise of Yahweh, Genesis 15, 1-6, is the basis for the Gentiles being counted righteous by faith, Galatians 3, 6-7. Paul wants us to understand that it is those who have faith that are Abraham's sons. Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness prior to his circumcision. If you remember, Genesis 15 took place about 14 years before Abraham's circumcision in Genesis 17. And it was the same for the Galatian Gentiles. They were saved and were counted as children of Abraham by faith. And it is also the same for any other heathen that cries out to Yahweh in repentance and believes the promise that He made to us in and through His Son. The heathen, non-covenant person can be forgiven of all his or her sin without becoming a proselyte to Israel. That's Paul's primary message in the book of Galatians. Salvation from sin is not dependent upon one's genealogy or one's flesh. Salvation from sin is available to anyone who repents of their sin and places faith in the promise of Yahweh. Whether or not they're a physical Israelite, whether or not they were circumcised at eight days old, and whether or not they grew up in a Torah observant or a law observant home. This does not mean that the law is irrelevant in the life of a Gentile. This does not mean that an uncircumcised non-Judahite that receives the forgiveness of sins like Cornelius in Acts 10 or like Titus, Galatians 2, it does not mean that they should not study the law and then apply the law of Yahweh to his or her life where it is appropriate. Yaakov, James, the bishop of Jerusalem at the council in Jerusalem, in Acts 15, he gave the Gentiles who had just turned to the Almighty, he gave them four necessary laws to begin obeying right away. But the Gentiles were saved by grace through faith in Messiah before they began obeying any laws. They were saved by grace through faith. I gave an analogy one time similar to Acts 15 in a book that I wrote about a heathen that was a drug addict that walked into a church and Yahweh gave him or her a new heart. And they cried out to Yahweh in repentance and they confessed their sin. They believed in the Messiah. And then they were to ask me, now what do I need to do? I would not lay the entire law down on them right there that night. But what I would probably tell them is, look, we've got to get you off of the drugs. That's what we've got to work on. Then you'll come to Sabbath every 
week. And you'll learn and you'll grow at your own pace and in your own time. That's basically what happened in Acts 15. The elder, which was not Paul, but was James. And then up under James, I believe, was the apostle Peter. They decided they're saved by grace through faith. Let's give them four necessary laws because they're coming out of their pagan heathenism. They'll begin to obey these and then they'll learn and they'll grow. Not all at the same time. Not all in the same pace. Don't expect people that are saved from their sins to all grow at the same pace. Or in the same time. People grow differently. People produce fruit differently. But if they have faith in the promise of Yahweh, they've been justified. That is declared righteous in Yahweh's sight. Obedience to the law or becoming a proselyte Judahite was not and is not a prerequisite for salvation. Today as we move into Galatians 3 verse 8, Paul says that the gospel he preaches was actually preached to Father Abraham many years ago. Let's read it again. Galatians 3 8, Holman Christian Standard Bible says, Now the scripture saw in advance that the Almighty would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed through you. That's from the HCSB. Let's read it now from the King James Version. It says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that the Almighty would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So, how was the gospel preached to Abraham? This is a question that I ask myself. I've heard it ever since I was a little boy. The gospel was preached to Abraham. I never have understood it until the past few months. I'm going to show you what it means from the Bible. But how was the gospel preached to Abraham? Did Yahweh speak to Abraham and tell him, Listen, Abraham, I'm going to beget a son, my son, through the womb of a virgin, from the house of Judah, through the lineage of David, and place the fullness of my spirit within him, and he'll live perfectly and then die on a tree to take the penalty of sin for all those who trust in his righteousness... And then I will raise him from the dead on the third day. Is that what Yahweh told Abraham? No. Yahweh did not say any of that to Abraham. So what does Galatians 3 verse 8 mean when it says that the gospel was preached to Abraham? Well, first off, I want you to notice how Paul says that the Scripture saw in advance. Now, Paul is not saying that Holy Scripture is a person who can foresee into the future. Paul is using the word Scripture here as standing for the person of Yahweh the Father. When Paul says Scripture saw in advance, he means Yahweh saw in advance, and it's recorded for us in the Scriptures. Second, what did Scripture foresee? Well, Paul tells us right there in verse 8. Look at it again. Now the Scripture foresaw that the Almighty would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed through you. Paul brings in the word justify. The word justify means to be declared innocent in Yahweh's court of law. Paul brings in this word justify, and it would be good if you drew a circle, if you make notes in your Bible, if you drew a circle around the word justify in verse 8, and another circle around the words credited to him for righteousness in verse 6. And then draw a line connecting the two. Crediting your faith to you for righteousness is the same as justifying you. 
It's the same thing, said two different ways. We know that because Paul links faith up to both of these statements. Those who have faith are credited as righteous. And those who have faith are justified. Two different ways of saying the same thing. If you're justified, you're counted as righteous. You're declared innocent in Yahweh's sight. Now, in Galatians 3 verse 8, I want you to notice two ways that the Greek word ethnos is translated into English in verse 8. If you read the Bible, if you see the word Gentile or Gentiles or heathen in the New Testament, most of the time it's the Greek word translated as ethnos because the majority, if not all, of the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. Okay, But I want you to notice in the King James Version how the word is translated versus how it's translated in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The HCSB uses Gentiles, while the KJV uses heathen. Now, either one is good, but I think that the King James Version is better here because it conveys the big picture that during that time period, the word, the Greek word ethnos, heathen, was predominantly used of uncircumcised heathens. People that were outside of the covenant given to the nation of Israel. And Paul is saying that heathens, ethnos, would be justified by faith. He's talking about men like Cornelius and men like Titus, uncircumcised. Now, I went over this back when I covered Galatians 2, 7-9, through 9, but it's worth repeating again. A lot of times we learn from repetition. I want you to look at Galatians 2, 7-9 through 9 from the King James Version. I'll read it. Follow along carefully. I have it on the screen. Paul writes, But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Now, the word circumcision is used all three times to describe the people that Peter's ministry was aimed at. That's not the only people that Peter preached to, but that's who his ministry was aimed at. He was the apostle to the Israelites, to the circumcision. But when speaking of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, one time the King James Version says it was to the uncircumcision. One time it says it was toward the Gentiles. And the next time it says it was unto the heathen. That's three different words to describe one people. Anyone who was not circumcised by the standards of the Judahites at that time was considered a heathen and a Gentile. That is, a non-Israelite. That's how they were looked upon. In other words, if a person, male, I know we're talking about males a lot because we're dealing with circumcision in this epistle. If a male or female grew up in a family that did not obey the laws of Yahweh and did not worship Yahweh, maybe worshipped other deities. They were considered ethnos, a goy in Hebrew, a heathen in English. But in Galatians 3 verse 8, Paul is telling us that the Scripture saw in advance. Once again, that's Yahweh looking in advance. It saw that the Almighty would justify, that is count as righteous, the Gentile, heathens, uncircumcised people, by faith, 
faith is trust in the promise of Yahweh. This lets us know that it was Yahweh's plan to include non-Israelites in the promise of salvation way back in the time of Abraham. Yahweh's plan was not originally with Israel. And it was never exclusive to Israel. Israel was chosen during the Mosaic time period in order to be a light to the rest of the families on the earth. But how did Yahweh preach this gospel to Abraham? Galatians 3.8 tells us, right after Paul says, told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, he writes, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. You see that, that one little line, saying, all the nations will be blessed in or through you? That's the gospel that Yahweh preached to Abraham. That one line right there. Paul quotes here from Genesis 12 verse 3 and Genesis 18 verse 18. He actually, if you study it, he quotes from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and he pulls from both Genesis 12 and Genesis 18 and combines them together and quotes it like that. If we look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it's the call of Abraham out from his father's house, idol-worshipping Terah, his father. Genesis 18, 18 is basically a reiteration of Genesis 12, verse 3. So we'll pull mainly from Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Yahweh said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And then Yahweh says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now that last phrase right there in Genesis 12 verse 3 is what Paul quotes in Galatians 3.8 combining words from Genesis 18.18. All the peoples or all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. That's the gospel that Yahweh preached to Abraham. That's what Paul is talking about being preached. That all nations, all peoples, all families, all ethnos. Ethnos is used in Genesis 18.18 in the Septuagint, which is where we get the word ethnicity. All ethnicities of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. That's how Yahweh preached the gospel to Father Abraham. Now, this blessing here in verse 3 of Genesis 12, it's not speaking of a carnal blessing. I use carnal in the sense of pertaining to fleshly, earthly, the earthly realm. The blessing isn't talking about Abraham being nice to everybody and all nations will be blessed because Abraham's nice to them. The blessing isn't talking about Abraham's family making sure they're kind to people when they meet them. No, this blessing is speaking about a spiritual blessing of salvation, according to Paul's argument in Galatians 3. This blessing is the blessing of the gospel, and it is the gospel to everyone, because Yahweh says all peoples of the earth. In Genesis 18, 18, Yahweh says all nations or ethnos of the earth. Paul uses the word ethnos in Galatians 3 verse 8. And Paul is saying that the Scripture saw in advance that the Almighty would justify the heathens by faith and thus Yahweh preached. You can add that to your list of surnames for Yahweh. Yahweh the preacher. 
Yahweh preached the gospel to Abraham. When he preached, all the nations will be blessed through you, Abraham. That was the gospel. Now, how would this blessing of salvation for all ethnos or ethnicities come through Abraham? How would everybody, all the peoples on the earth, once again, there's a criteria there. It's not just universal reconciliation. The criteria is what? Faith. Faith. But how would all the ethnos on the earth be blessed through Abraham? Well, this is how. Let me tell you how. By Yahweh sending His Son through the lineage, physical lineage, of Abraham. Yeshua is of the stock of Abraham, both physically, genetically, and spiritually. He's a man of faith. And when a person from any nation on the earth places faith in Yeshua, they are placing faith in the promised seed, singular, of Abraham. Let me show you this from the Bible. Matthew 1 verse 1, the historical record of Yeshua the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Son there doesn't mean like Elijah is my son directly. Son means descendant. Yeshua is the descendant of David and he's the descendant of Abraham. Why does Yahweh mention, why did Yahweh have Brother Matthew, Matithyahu here in Matthew 1 1, write son of David and son of Abraham? Because it was important. Because it was important for you and me to see that Yeshua was from this particular line of people. And when a heathen, non-covenant person places their faith in Yeshua, the seed of Abraham, the promise of Yahweh, he becomes a child of Abraham by faith. All the nations are blessed through Abraham in this way. So Paul is saying that the same gospel that he is preaching, that the uncircumcised heathens can be saved by faith, was preached to Abraham back when Yahweh told him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Yahweh didn't tell him all the particulars. It was a mystery. Hopefully we were listening to a message that Brother TJ taught in Ephesians 3, I believe it was verse 6, where it talked about how this mystery was made known to apostles and prophets during the time period of the first century. And a biblical mystery is not something that you can't comprehend or understand. A biblical mystery is something that was hidden or veiled for a time and then unveiled or brought to light in a later time. Abraham did not understand or comprehend every little tidbit of the gospel that we now understand today. Because it had not been revealed yet. But the gospel was still preached to Abraham when Yahweh said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. How? Through your seed, Yeshua the Messiah. Not seeds, plural, as of many, but seed one, referring to the Messiah. Paul goes on to say, later on we'll cover that at a later time. So it's progressive revelation. It's like layers. Scripture is like layers. And the top layer doesn't tell you all the details. But the more layers that you uncover and you go one by one and you finally get to the bottom and eventually you begin to see things that you could not understand by just looking at the surface layer. We understand from Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. But it's not until we keep reading and uncover another layer that we find out that that seed is going to come through Jacob Israel. 
And then we keep reading a little bit further and we find out by uncovering another layer that it's going to come through the house of Judah. Then we read a little bit further and it's going to come through the line of David. None of it contradicts previous revelation, but it builds upon it. It's progressive revelation. And we begin to see things after they have taken place clearer than people saw them before they had taken place. Prophecy is best understood once it is fulfilled. There's things about the second coming of Christ that we read about in the Bible, the final consummating coming of Christ, which I do believe in, by the way, physical coming of the Messiah to the earth. Some people say, I don't believe in that. I don't know where they're getting that from, but I do believe in that. But there's things about that that we will not understand fully until it happens. We read about it and it's veiled a little bit. We see through a glass darkly. Paul says, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know even as we are known. See, and that's what's happening here. When it says the gospel was preached to Abraham, Yahweh didn't go through all the little tidbits. But he preached the gospel to Abraham and then we uncover the layers as we go through and move through the scriptures. See, it's beautiful. So then he wraps up this argument from Father Abraham by saying in Galatians 3 verse 9, So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Anyone from any family upon the earth who places their faith in the promise of Yahweh, the seed of Abraham, Yeshua the Messiah, is blessed right along with Father Abraham who put his faith in the promised seed. That goes back to verse 7 where Paul writes, So understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. The Judaizers didn't understand it. I think some people today don't understand this. But Paul says, understand. He wants us to understand, Sister Dorothy, those who have faith. Those who have faith are the sons of Abraham. I'm going to get to those daughters here in just a second. That's right. I believe in that. That's biblical. The daughters of Abraham is a biblical term. So this is a spiritual sonship more than a natural sonship. Because even the natural branches from Abraham's lineage must have faith. They must have faith in Yahweh's gospel promise in order to be part of the true family of Abraham. Did you know you could be a natural branch off of Abraham's lineage and still not be a true son of Abraham if you don't have faith? A natural branch that does not have faith in the Messiah is not a part of Abraham's true family. But a wild branch that does have faith in in the Messiah becomes a part of Abraham's true family. And Paul is letting us know that a person from any ethnicity on the earth can have faith in Yahweh's gospel promise and even though they may not be a natural branch off of Abraham, they were raised as a heathen, they were raised uncircumcised, they were raised worshiping other deities, if they repent of their sins and place faith in the Messiah, they place faith in the seed of Abraham. And they have that characteristic and quality of Abraham, which is faith and belief and trust, and thus they're a child of Father Abraham. Son or daughter. Yes, sisters, daughters of Abraham is just as scriptural of a term as sons of Abraham. The daughters are not left out. The daughters are equal with the sons as it pertains to the salvation in the Messiah. We'll go over this when we get to it, but look at Galatians 3.28. I don't have it on the screen. But in Galatians 3.28 it says, There is no Judahite or Greek. That's a racial, that's an ethnic difference there. He says there's no Jew or Greek. Slave or free, that's a social status. 
There is no slave or free, male or female. And that's dealing with the marriage, male and female. For you are all one in the Messiah, Yeshua. Now obviously me and my wife, I'm still a male and she's still a female, right? I'm still a husband and she's still a wife, right? But this is talking about salvation. In other words, there's no better standing for me than Tisha in Christ. She's just as saved from her sins in Christ as I'm saved from my sins in Christ. I don't have this on the screen either, but if you do have your Bible, look at 1 Peter. This is a beautiful text in 1 Peter. And I can see it going either way here. The message is still the same. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, I'll read verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to do a lot of comment on it, but I'll just read verses 1 through 6. Listen carefully or follow along. Peter writes, he says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very valuable in Yahweh's eyes. For in the past, the holy women who hoped in Yahweh also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her daughters when you do good and aren't frightened by anything alarming. Now, it could be daughters of Sarah, or it could be daughters of Abraham. HCSB is not a literal translation. When you read it in the King James and New American Standard, it could go either way. Regardless, though, Sarah was the promised wife to Abraham, through whom the seed came. Even the seed that came through Sarah was spiritual. Isaac wasn't a natural birth. Isaac was a supernatural birth. In other words, if Yahweh had not intervened, Sarah could never have born Isaac. She even laughed when the angel told her she was going to have a son. It's a supernatural birth, and it is a type and a shadow of the Messiah that would come, the greater seed of Abraham that would come, which was also a supernatural birth. What Yahweh is telling you is this. It's not the children of the flesh that are counted as the promised seed, but it's the children of the promise. It's the children of the Spirit. See, it's all beautiful. When you begin to put the pieces together, Paul's reason for writing the epistle to the Galatians was to show the Gentiles, you're children of Yahweh, you're saved, you're part of the family of Yahweh, but it's not by converting to become a Jew or a Judahite. That's not how you get saved, by becoming a proselyte to the Jewish religion. It's not by circumcising yourselves, men, so that you can now say that you're a proselyte. That's not how you become saved. But instead, it's by faith in the promise of Yahweh. Just like it was for Abraham. (laughs) Now, in case we, we want to argue with this, James, Peter, and John gave Paul and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship on this. Who were James, Peter, and John? They were the elders. Paul went to the elders to get approval for his message that he preached, his gospel. And he got it. They gave him the right hand of fellowship. Yep, Paul, you're right in what you're preaching. 
Number two, the experience that the Gentiles had in receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit gave witness to this. Remember when Cornelius, the first Gentile, uncircumcised, that came to the Messiah to believe in the Messiah, the promised seed of Abraham? He was uncircumcised, and when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he began to speak in unknown languages that he never learned, and the Judahite believers, they looked at this, and they were astounded because they heard them speak with other languages and glorify Yahweh. That was an experience from heaven. So that experience that the Gentiles had testified to their salvation by grace through faith and not proselytization. And then number three, the life of Abraham agreed. That's probably the most important because it's from the Old Testament Scriptures. Paul's Gospel can be proven from the Old Testament. When the Bereans would examine the Scriptures every day, To see if the things Paul said was so, they could prove Paul's gospel from the Old Testament by going back to the book of Genesis. They could say, okay, we see it right here. Abraham was justified. He was counted as righteous by faith and he wasn't circumcised. The Judai influencers desired to take all this away from the Gentiles. They said, no, 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 you're not saved. You must become one of us first. Get circumcised and then we can boast in your flesh to everybody. That we had the hand in getting you right with Elohim. I think the same thing happens today. People actually think that they cause other people to get saved. Well, we had 13 saved last week. We had 9 saved this week. 9 came down to the altar and we got them saved. No, 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 no. This is not biblical. It's not scriptural. You won't find anything like that in the Bible what you will find is that Yahweh grants eternal life. Yahweh grants people to have new hearts. Yahweh grants repentance. Yahweh gives the gift of faith to people. And they're changed and they're new creations. That's one of the things that makes me believe in Yahweh Almighty more than anything else is by knowing men and women who used to live lives of sin and rebellion against Yahweh. But now they're entirely new creations. And they love what Yahweh loves and they hate what Yahweh hates. There's no other way to explain that, brothers and sisters, than a supernatural deliverance from the mighty one of Israel. No other way to explain it. No man got them saved. Yahweh saved them from their sins. Hallelujah. Are you with me? This was nonsense. What the Judaizers were teaching was nonsense. No one had a hand in Cornelius' salvation. Nobody even touched the man before he began to speak in other languages. Nobody laid their hands on Cornelius. All that happened was Peter preached the gospel and Cornelius heard the gospel and believed the gospel and received the Spirit. And then Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit even as we did? Talking about back on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Nobody said a word because they knew what had happened was from heaven. Let me end by saying today that Paul, Paul is not anti-Israel. For crying out loud, Paul's an Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. He's not anti-Israel. Paul is not anti-law either. Paul walked orderly and kept the law. Paul is not preaching against obeying the law. Paul is not even preaching against obeying the law of circumcision. Paul never, ever taught against the law of circumcision. Never. What Paul is doing is teaching against an ideology of adding to the gospel and causing someone to rely on an act that they do 
or who they are in the flesh as their way to salvation. Paul said that's a damnable doctrine. That's a doctrine that will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. If you rely on who you are or who you think you are physically in the flesh to justify you, you will never be saved from your sins. Never. If you rely on your circumcision, physically circumcised, or the works of the law to justify you, you're under a curse and you'll never be saved. That's why it was so crucial for Paul to help the Galatians with this letter because some of them were denying their salvation by faith in Yahweh's promise. They were saying, okay, we're going to go along with the Judaizers. Faith in the promised seed was not good enough. And they began to place their trust in the physical act of circumcision or becoming a proselyte. Is really what that was shorthand for. They began to place their trust in that they went from being a, a Gentile, an ethnos, over to being a Yehudim, a Judahite. And now we're one of you. So now we're really saved. And they began to put their trust in that. Once again, it's a damnable doctrine. My friends, are you trusting in anything else but what Yahweh has done for you in sending His Son, Yeshua, to save you from your sins? Is your trust in who you are? Is your trust in your supposed genealogy? Is your trust in the tassels that you wear? I've got them on up here tonight. Is that where my salvation lies? Is that where my trust is? is? Is your trust in the Sabbath that you keep or the way that you dress? Is that where your trust is? Is your trust in anything else that you think you do or maybe you do do? Is that where your trust is at? This is a sobering thought for each and every one of us, including myself. Because when I close my eyes in the sleep of death, I want to only trust in Yahweh's salvation. That's it. I thought about the other day. I was talking to somebody, and you see these things on YouTube and sometimes on on television. And they got these Christians that go around with a microphone on the street, and they they take these polls. Why do you think you're saved? And boy, you hear some crazy stuff from people that just—I mean, I, there's no other explanation than they they claim to be Christians, but they just don't read the Bible. Okay. But I wish that one would come up to me and ask me. Because they get, a, they get a big earful. And the first thing that I would tell them is, I don't deserve to go to the kingdom of heaven. I believe that I'm saved from my sins, but I don't deserve to go. I've transgressed every one of the Ten Commandments. I've broken Yahweh's law. And I feel terrible for doing so. But the Bible tells me in Psalm 103 that He's not dealt with me as my sins deserve. He's not repaid me according to my offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love to those who fear His name. He's removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. And if I didn't have promises like that in the Bible, I would have given up on this faith a long time ago. Every other religion in the world places faith in their self for salvation. And if I had to place faith in Matthew Jansen to be saved, I would have given up a long time ago. But Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh saved Matthew. Yahweh gave His Son for Matthew. Yahweh loves Matthew. 
And I'm trusting in what Yahweh has done for me. The one whose name, very name means I'll do what I want to do and you can't stop me. There's no power on the earth. I am that I am. Yahweh is the one that is my salvation. That's what I would tell him. I don't deserve to make it to the kingdom. But Yahweh gave me a new heart. And He removed my sins and He forgave me based on the righteousness of His Son. Yahweh our righteousness. Based upon the righteousness of my Messiah and not upon Matthew. And if I'm ever asked by Yahweh Almighty, why do you deserve to enter my kingdom? I'll tell him the same thing. I don't deserve to enter your kingdom, but I have faith in the promised seed of Abraham. People say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Every single egg I've got is in that basket, brothers and sisters. All my chips are moved over to the Messiah. They're all in front of Him. They're all on Him. I don't have even half of a chip over here banking on me. It's all banking on Him. That's where my trust is at. And when I die, whether it's tomorrow or 50 years from now, that's where I want my trust to be. That's where I want it to be. In the salvation of Yahweh. I'm not good enough to save myself. Neither are you. Brothers and sisters, trust in Yahweh today. I think I'm preaching to the choir. Who knows who will hear this message in the future. But in case I'm not, and in case your trust is somewhere else, trust in Yahweh today. He's your only hope. He's your only hope. Turn to Him and be ye saved. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much and I praise You so much. You're good. You're great. Thank You, Father, for making me a son of Abraham. One of His, one of his sons. Thank You for making my wife a daughter of Abraham. One of His daughters. Thank You for all of my children. And thank You for this church. Thank You for loving us, Yahweh. Thank You for sending Your Son to die for us. I love You, Yahweh, and I know it's only because You first loved me. Praise Almighty Yahweh. Hallowed be Your name, Father. I don't want any of the glory. I want it all to go to you. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. He's such an eloquent author and explainer. I look forward to sitting with him and talking about it all one day. Bless us all, Yahweh. Help us to trust in only what you've done for us. Let us continue to believe that we are to bear fruit. But as we bear it, may we just say, we've only done our duty. We're just servants. We've done nothing more than what's required. Blessed be your name, Yahweh, through your Son I pray.